Today we're going to continue in the book of Romans. Uh, let's return to Romans 8. I'm going to read again verse 26 and 27. Romans 8, verse 26, 27. I'll be reading from the New King James Version this morning. Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit Himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Let's pray once again. Heavenly Father, we just come before your presence. Lord, just so thankful of heart that that you are God and you are God alone. So thankful for such a great salvation. And and Father, I pray for every born-again child here that, that they would be anticipating hearing from you, from your word, that we would draw more strength, that that we might know more of who you are and of who we are before you. And Father, should there be someone who is yet lost that, that doesn't know you, that doesn't know Christ as Lord, I pray, Father, that you would perform that miracle that only you can do in drawing lost souls to yourself through Christ. So, Father, help us now. I pray in Christ's name. Amen. Now, as as we've gotten to Romans 8, uh, I pointed out it is this chapter that, that we see the working of the Holy Spirit in so many ways. It's uh, there, There's been some sprinklings along the way, but there is much in Romans 8 about the working and ministry of the Holy Spirit. And last Sunday we began by pointing out nine different things that we have learned so far just in the chapter 8 of Romans. And we're not going to go through those again today, but but you can go back and listen to that. Nine things we've learned so far just in Romans 8. So today, as we began last week looking at 26 and 27, let's continue. Romans 8, 26, likewise, the Spirit helps in our weaknesses. And like we've said, we all know we have weaknesses. We have infirmities. We're not perfect. And uh, so the Spirit helps us in those weaknesses. And then, uh, as I pointed out last week, I believe Paul specifically brings it into the realm of prayer. When he says, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. I believe that I've also pointed out he's not he's not saying that we don't know how to pray. He's saying that we don't know what we should pray for as we ought or as we should. Because we don't always know the whole of the circumstance that we're in, do we? We don't always know the whole of the trial and why we are in it. We don't know those things. So we don't always know what is truly best for us. Uh, we I would venture to say we all know what we want. And we can pray for what we want, but what we want is not always what we need. What we want is always not what is best for us. Because of our weakness of not knowing what is best and what is right for us, we may pray for the wrong thing. 
We may pray for that which is not according to the will of God. Because do we know the will of God? Yes, in many ways we do because of the Bible. There's many things that we perfectly know the will of God because He has expressly told us His will in many different avenues. But is there many things while yet walking on this earth that we don't know? Yes. Yes, that we don't know. And the Holy Spirit is here to intercede on our behalf because He knows perfectly the will of God. He is our helper. He is our comforter. Our intercessor. Now, intercessor is a person who pleads one's case. The Holy Spirit comes alongside us to help us, to help shoulder the burden of our weaknesses and our infirmities. And He pleads our case to God when we don't know how to pray as we should. And so He prays to God, the one who searches the heart and knows what the mind of the Spirit is. And God answers the Holy Spirit perfectly and correctly because He is praying according to the will of God. So the Holy Spirit knows. The Holy Spirit knows. I believe we read this last week, 1 Corinthians 2, 11. For what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except who? The Spirit of God. So the Holy Spirit helps us and prays for us rightly because He knows the will of God. Now I said the Holy Spirit is our intercessor. You may be sitting there going, well, wait a minute. I thought Jesus was our intercessor. Well, yes, He is. Yes, He is. Uh, Hebrews 7, verse 25. Hebrews 7, verse 25. Therefore, He is also able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through Him, since He, and this is talking of Jesus, always lives to make intercession for them. Jesus is our intercessor between God and man. He is our advocate. He pleads our case before God the Father. In Romans eight thirty four. Therefore, eight thirty four. who is He who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us so we have jesus making intercession we have the holy spirit making intercession and i like this quote that i, that I read last week from john murray thus the children of god have two divine intercessors christ is their intercessor in the court of heaven while the holy spirit is our intercessor in the theater of our, theater of our own hearts now romans eight twenty six. one more time Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit Himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And we talked a bit about this last Sunday. I want to address a little bit more. What, you know, what is this groaning and who is doing this groaning? And I said, take the word simply read and who is doing the groaning. But the Spirit Himself makes intercession for us with groanings. The Spirit is making these intercessions with groanings. And many will say, but the Holy Spirit can't groan. The Holy Spirit doesn't have weakness such as we do. The earth groans awaiting the, the, uh, the redemption of the children of God. We groan awaiting the redemption of our body. The Holy Spirit groans. The Holy Spirit longs for and desires for the redemption of our bodies. He longs for and, and desires the redemption uh, of, of the earth. He, he is longing for that. 
So I believe that is, is that groaning uh, that, that he desires, that final day of redemption. And the Holy Spirit knows perfectly the will of God. And these groanings are groanings which cannot be uttered without words. And there doesn't need to be words because there's perfect communication between the Holy Spirit and God, between the Trinity, between the Holy Spirit and God and, and Jesus Christ. And I wanted, this is what I wanted to point out today. And perhaps this is just me, but, but just listen. If you misinterpret what I believe would be a misinterpretation of Romans 8.26, and you interpret this to mean that this is us groaning in this part, but the Spirit Himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be honored. If you take that to mean us, then then here's a danger, or at least I believe a danger. You get people who think that they must pray with words that cannot be uttered, or in other words, with an unknown tongue. And by doing that, they are praying the will of God. I don't believe that's right. Because we've just been told we don't know the will of God. And we need the Holy Spirit who knows the will of God to intercede on our behalf. You know, the many people within the Word of Faith and the charismatic movement, they take this verse and proclaim it and claim it as a reason for speaking in tongues because they can they can speak the will of God when they do this. I, I've shared the story I know before of, of back years ago uh, when Barb and I, our, our sister-in-law, was, was sick. She was stage four ovarian cancer. Apart from the miracle of God, her days were short. We knew it. She knew it. We we took her to her oncologist for a visit. Wouldn't be very many more visits after that. And I believe I, I've shared of of how they they I'm sure a very well meaning nurse came out and she knelt down and and she began to pray in such a way as many Word of Faith people do. This cancer has no right to be here. I, I, I rebuke this cancer in the name of Jesus. Shandala, shandala, shandala. Amen. And that was followed by almost a rebuke or an admonition. Have more faith. Have more faith. In other words, saying to my dear sister-in-law who's dying, if you just had more faith, you wouldn't be in this condition. Not speaking any word of encouragement, but almost a condemnation of her faith. And I hate that. People with that theology treat people on their deathbed terribly. And then, then after they die, well, they prayed for their healing. Well, now they're healed. Well, yeah. There's no words of peace, no words of comfort. I don't believe here in Romans 8.26, this is us uttering 
things that are without words because there is perfect communication between the Holy Spirit and God. They are God. Again, in Romans 8, 26, Paul writes that we don't always know what we should pray for as we ought to or as we should. We don't know what's best for us. We don't know in any given circumstance, and we may pray the wrong thing. Do we have examples in the Bible where people prayed the wrong thing or prayed and they, and that prayer that they prayed was not answered as they prayed? Yes. I just want to look at a couple this morning. Let's go to Deuteronomy, the third chapter, verses 23 through 25. This is Moses. He's recounting conversation, a prayer that he had with God. So Moses says, Then I pleaded with the Lord at that time, saying, O Lord God, you have begun to show your servant your greatness and your mighty hand, for what God is there in heaven or on earth who can do anything like your works and your mighty deeds. I pray, let me cross over and see the good land beyond the Jordan, those pleasant mountains and Lebanon. See, here's Moses' prayer. He had been admiring the works of God and he makes petition to God. And look at the response. Verse 26. Now look at this. But the Lord was angry with me on your account. Talking about the disobedient uh, Israelites. But the Lord was angry with me on your account because he did something he didn't wasn't supposed to do, struck the rock, wasn't supposed to do that. God told him, don't do that. He did it because he was getting barraged by other voices, which is a good, (laughs) there's a lesson right there. Don't succumb to other voices. It's trying to get you to do something you know you shouldn't do. Obey the Lord. But the Lord was angry with me on your account and would not listen to me. If we regard iniquity in our heart, will he hear? No. He would not listen to me. So the Lord said to me, look what the Lord said, Enough of that. Speak no more to me of this matter. In other words, Moses, don't pray it again. I don't want to hear it. Then I've had to ask myself, have I ever been there? Have you ever been there? Or you've prayed for what you wanted, or and it's almost like the, the Lord stopped praying that. Don't speak to me on this matter anymore. Enough of that. Because if that's the case, we're not praying according to the will of God. You see that. We need to humble ourselves before Him. We, if, if we don't know what to pray, just humble ourselves down and say, Oh, Father, oh, Father. Help me, help me. Holy Spirit, speak and intercede on my behalf. And and, and in your timing, Lord, let me know. Let me know the direction I should go. Let me know what we need to know. Because we know if we will humble ourselves before Him and wait, in due time, He will direct our path, doesn't He? He will. He will. And and here's another example. We've looked at this many different times throughout the years, and and in particular with certain songs that we sing, I bring up these these verses. Another example from Scripture of someone praying and yet not receiving what they were asking for was from Paul himself. And and I'm talking about Second Corinthians 12. And, and usually, 
I would start down in verse 7 or 8, but I want us to, and I have a particular reason that I want to start in verse 1, and we're going to read down through verse 10. You'll know when we get there. It is doubtless not profitable for me to boast. <laughs> we're not to be boastful. What's the one thing we boast in? The cross of Jesus Christ. God forbid that I should boast except in the cross of Jesus Christ. I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago, and we know he's talking of himself in the midst of this, whether in the body I do not know or whether out of the body I do not know, God knows. Such a one was caught up in the third heaven. And if you ever read that and you go, third heaven, what's the third heaven? Well, at least as I understand it, the, the first heaven is earth's atmosphere. The, the, the second heavens is, is the the uh, the planets, the interstellar space, the third heaven. It's the realm of God. Heaven, if you want to call it heaven. The third heaven. And, and Paul was caught up to that place, the abode of God. And I know such a man, whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows how he was caught up into paradise and heard inexpressible words which is not lawful for a man to utter. Here we have unspeakable words. A, a, a scene of glory that human words cannot express. It's beyond our human comprehension and capacity. Inexpressible words that we can't utter, that we can't speak. Does that give a little more credence to what I was just talking about in Romans 8? I think it does. Of such a one I will boast, yet of myself I will not boast, except in my infirmities, in my weaknesses. For though I might desire to boast, I will not be a fool, for I will speak the truth. But I refrain, lest anyone should think of me above what he sees me to be or hears from me. And, lest, and, and here's the very familiar passage. And lest I should be exalted above measure, lest he should be prideful, lest he should be boastful. What happened? You know. Lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. Now what was this thorn? Let's, let's pause for just a moment. What was this thorn in the flesh? This messenger of Satan. Now, messenger doesn't necessarily mean that there was a, a demon or something that was there tagging along with him all the time, though I'm sure there probably was trying to defeat him. But, but what are some of the messengers that, that Job got? It was Ill, physical illnesses, wasn't it? The messages he got from Satan that, that God allowed and maybe I've talked about this before, but I believe, and this is me, and I'm going to give you a couple verses of why I believe this. I believe this thorn in the flesh had to deal with Paul's eyesight, that he had failing eyesight. And, and well, preacher, where do you possibly get that? Well, remember in Galatians where he said, look at what big words I write? Quite, quite often, Paul would dictate his letters and someone else would write it. But Galatians, he wrote, uh, Galatians 6, 11, let's put that up. 
See with what large letters I have written to you with my own hand. He wrote this letter. You wanted them to know that he wrote that letter. And some people would want to say, well, he wrote it in big letters because it was like an exclamation mark. No, I don't believe so. He wrote it in big letters so he could see it. He wrote it in big letters so he could see it. And, and so, well, again, that doesn't necessarily mean I sat. Well, let's go to Galatians 4, verse 15. What then was the blessing you enjoyed? For I bear you witness that, if possible, you would have plucked out your own eyes and given them to me. Why would they do such a thing? Because they loved Paul so much. This is what I believe. That they literally would have plucked out their own eyes if they could have and given them to Paul so that he might see better. That's love for Paul, isn't it? For I bear witness with you that if possible, you would have plucked out your own eyes and given them to me. And so I I just want to pause for a moment because I've heard that question as well. Was a thorn? Was a thorn? Was a thorn? Well, we don't necessarily need to know, but but to me that gives what I think is a pretty good explanation. And and now we go on in in verse 8, 7 and 8 in 2 Corinthians 12. Concerning this, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And He, God, said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, infirmities and weaknesses in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Humbling before the mighty hand of God. See, Paul was concerned about this thorn in the flesh, and and, and perhaps he is thinking this thorn in the flesh is going to hinder his work. And and apparently, in a way it is. But because of that, he is bringing in other people to dictate these letters to do you see that? Because of this infirmity, he is he is pulling in other people that perhaps on his own he wouldn't have done if not for this infirmity. And we don't know about all these people. Someday, uh, I hope we can know in glory of some of these people that were there and, and dictating these letters. So he's praying. In perfect human reason he is praying lord take this away lord heal this three times and then he gets his answer and it's not as a forceful rebuke as moses got but he gets his answer my grace is sufficient for you paul for my strength is made perfect in weakness and Paul knows to stop asking. He sees, I believe he sees, that the Lord's way is the right way and that the Lord can perhaps accomplish more through His weaknesses than He could through His strength. And that's true of us too. Well, I can't do that. I don't know anything about that. I, I'm not a good speaker. I'm not this. I'm not that. I'm that. Well, perhaps the Lord could use you in that weakness in far greater ways than He could use you in your strength. You know, so often we want to take a test and see what our spiritual gifts are and our strengths are. 
That's not necessarily what we need. Could be, but not necessarily. He will use us in our weaknesses. And then Paul begins to glory in that which he had formerly been praying for God to remove. Did you see that? He begins to give glory for that that he had been praying to be removed. Therefore, most gladly, I would rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities and reproaches and needs and persecutions and distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. The word I was trying to think of a while ago, Jesse, was perplexity. There is a perplexity. And I get that from Lloyd-Jones. He, he, he said, he said, do you see the perplexity in praying? What should I be praying for? What is the will of God in the midst of this situation? We don't always know. It's a perplexity. And, and, this, and I read this from him, and I'm, I'm going to go ahead and... He said this. Is it going too far to suggest that we see something of this even in our Lord Himself during His days in the flesh here in the earth? How do we interpret John 12, 27 and 28? Let's put it up. John 12, 27, 28. This is Christ. Now my heart is troubled. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. Let me pause just for a moment. The Lord, this is Jesus, and his soul is troubled. He is facing a intense extreme situation the cross shall i ask the father to save me from this hour and, and then he answers but for this purpose i came to this hour that's why i came that's why i came to earth for this purpose to go to the cross and he prays father glorify your name then a voice came from heaven saying i have both glorified it and will glorify it again in his death and resurrection, he's going to glorify his son and his obedience. So even, Lloyd-Jones says, even the eternal son of God as son of man knew something of this perplexity of prayer. Let, let's read Luke's account. Luke 22, verse 41 through 44. And he, Jesus, and he was withdrawn from them about a stone's throw, and he knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if it is your will, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Then an angel appeared to him from heaven, strengthening him. I believe strengthening him to do the will of the Father. Strengthening him. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. Then a sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. Now I want to read from Hebrews 5, verses 5 through 10. This, the author of Hebrews is talking about this very event. Hebrews 5, verses 5 through 10. So also Christ did not glorify Himself to become high priest, but it was He who said to Him, it was the Father who said to Him, You are My Son, today I have begotten you. As He also says in another place, You are a priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications with vehement cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death and was heard because of his godly fear, though he was a son, yet he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. 
And having been perfected, he became the author of eternal salvation to all who obey him. Called by God as high priest, according to the order of Melchizedek. Though he was a son, yet he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. Child of God, can we learn from our suffering? Yes. Yes. Let's be encouraged in that when we're going through a trial or a tribulation. May we learn obedience through our suffering. May we say as Paul, your your grace is sufficient for me. May we pray and be able to say, not my will, but yours be done. Yes, it's okay to ask for deliverance. It's okay. It's okay, but... There are times when we just need to pray and ask for the strength to stand and endure. And we don't always know which, but God does. Did you see what I'm saying? It's okay to ask for deliverance. Come boldly before the throne of grace to find help in time of need. Do that. But there are times when we just need to pray and ask for the strength to stand and endure. Because think of the varied situations and circumstances of life that we face. We all know people who are sick. We know people that are in stage four. And we don't know if this sickness is unto death or unto life. We don't know, but God does. And so we pray for them. But because we don't know, I've talked a lot about my uncle Obi, and and I I told you that he was in the hospital, and we didn't know quite how that was going to turn out for him, and and he's home. He's home. Uh, 105. And, and his and my cousin Barb is, yeah, my cousin's name's Barb, <laughs> but uh, I, uh, in, in talking with her, and you know, she's 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 got a little prayer circle of friends and been praying for Uncle Opie, and he's a hundred and five. What what do you pray? And, and I told her, I said, you know, I'm sure he's ready to go. He says, oh, he is, and he says, I'm really just being selfish. When I pray for him to stay, I've, I've had him all these years, and uh, and so, yeah. When I would bring that up, I'm sure many would just say to me, "Well," and and, and they told him his heart is very diminished; it's worn out. I don't know what the percentage is, but she said he's home. He gets up. He goes to the bathroom by himself. He can eat. He can talk. He's he, but he tires very quickly because his heart is wearing out. So pray, Lord, give him a new heart. Lord, let him keep going. And you may say, no, no. Pray pray for a peaceful homecoming. Pray, pray for comfort in his last days. Pray that he can keep his eyes on the upward call of Christ. But then you got a young mother got children at home that's got stage four cancer. Oh, well, in that case, you got to pray for healing. So, so you're going to let the age determine what the will of God is? 
See, we don't know what the will of God is. We don't know His perfect plan in the midst of all of it. Yes, we pray for healing. Well, we don't know if that sickness is going to lead to life or that sickness is going to lead to death, but He does. Am I making sense? I hope I hope it's coming out. We don't know how to pray. Remember what Paul prayed? I know you do. When he thought his death was very imminent there in Philippians 1, verses 21 through 25. And he, Paul was on death's door so many times that every time that jail cell opened or he heard somebody walking toward that, that door that perhaps this is my last. They're coming to take me to the gallows. And he said, for me to live, for, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. But if I live on in the flesh, this will mean fruit for, from my labor, yet what I shall choose I cannot tell. And I know if we could ask Paul, he would say, well, it's really not me that's choosing, it's God that's choosing. And he says, for I'm hard-pressed between the two, having a desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. <laughs> far better for Paul to go ahead and die and be with the God, you see. Far better. Nevertheless, to remain in the flesh is more needful for you. And then verse 25, and being confident of this, I know apparently the Holy Spirit gave him an answer that he can have a confidence of heart that I shall remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy of faith. Perhaps there will be times the Holy Spirit overwhelms us and lets us know. And then we can have great confidence. We don't always know what to pray. But I can tell you this, as a born-again believer, I certainly know how to pray. And I believe next Sunday we're going to be talking about how to pray. Lloyd-Jones said this, one more quote from him. I know that I can go into the holiest by the blood of Jesus with all assurance of faith, with all assurance of hope, and with a holy boldness. That is not my problem. My problem is what exactly to pray for, what blessing to ask for, what I think may be good for me may turn out for my harm. I may ask for this or that, but God may say, Speak no more to me about it. My grace is sufficient for thee. Have we any experience of that difficult, that difficulty, that perplexity? The Apostle Paul raises it in order to tell us that there is a glorious answer to it. It is that the Spirit Himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. What He does for us is known to God. Indeed, it is originated by God Himself as a part of the process of our ultimate glorification. End quote. I thought He put it so well. But to pray the will of God, and we don't always know what that is. 1 John 5, verses 14 and 15. Now this is the confidence that we have in Him, in the Lord. That if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. True. Meaning He will answer that. Every prayer we pray according to the will of God will come to pass 
Because not my will, it's His. It will come to pass. If we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that he have, we have asked of Him. But again, as Lord Jones says, it's not. I don't have a problem making the petition. My problem is knowing what petition to make. Did you see? Do we always know the will of God in every situation of life we face? No. But who does? The Holy Spirit. And He will intercede for you and me according to the perfect will of God. Have confidence in that. Amen? Have confidence in that. And here I want to end this way by asking a question to all who are here and all all who may listen to this at a later time. I'm just going to ask, do you know God? Is the Holy Spirit interceding for you according to the perfect will of God? And by asking that, I'm asking, do you have the Holy Spirit within you? Romans 8, verse 9. But you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. You're not a born-again Christian. You're not a child of God. You do not have the Spirit interceding for you. Well, how do I know? How do I know I have this Holy Spirit? Romans 8, verses 14 through 17. See what we've been learning? What we've been learning about the Holy Spirit in Romans 8? That's why I said perhaps Romans 8 is within the greatest, perhaps the greatest book in the Bible. Perhaps chapter 8 is the greatest chapter in the greatest book. How do I know if I have the Holy Spirit? For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear. You live in your life in fear. But you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. In some way, some form or fashion, the Holy Spirit that is in us will give evidence that you are a child of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with Him, that we may also be glorified together. So I would ask, do you cry out, Abba, Father, knowing that you're His child and a joint heir of Christ? Is that a cry of your heart? Abba, Father, thank you for such a great salvation. Do you believe the gospel of Jesus Christ? Whereby the Lord God brings about our salvation through the blood of the cross. Do you believe the gospel? Do you know that you're a sinner before most holy God? Do you know that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and that includes you? Do you know that Jesus came to this earth to be the perfect sacrificial lamb, to give His life a ransom, to pay in full the penalty for sin to all who would believe? Do you know that Jesus came to save sinners, and that all who by grace through faith believe His gospel will be saved it's that simple question that i ask probably every sunday do you believe john 3 verses 16 through 18 for god so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life for god did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but that the world through him might be saved he who believes in him is not condemned. But he who does not believe is condemned already. 
because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son. He who believes is not condemned. There is therefore now no condemnation. That's how Romans 8 started. No condemnation when we stand before God the Father when this life is over. And as we pointed out many times, don't take no condemnation when we get there to mean no discipline here because we will be disciplined here when we sin and when we get out of line with Him. Do you believe? John 3.36 He who believes in the Son has everlasting life. And he who does not believe the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. Which are you? There's only two categories. Those who believe and those who don't believe. Those who believe have everlasting life. Those who don't believe has the wrath of God abiding on them. Romans 10 verses 9 through 13. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Saved from what? Saved from the wrath of God that is coming to all unbelievers. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the Scripture says, Whoever believes on Him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich to all call upon Him. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. So I say call upon Him. Call upon Him. Even today you are here, if you are lost, right where you're at, you can call upon Him. If, if through the years of the time you've heard, you've heard the message over and over and over again, and perhaps today the Lord reveals to you, He's talking about you, perhaps today's your day. And I don't ask people to raise their hand. I don't ask people to come down and, and, and kneel down here. Where you're at, where you are, you can call out to Him. And if you do, and you pray in faith, and we know faith is a gift from God, you can't do that unless God is drawing you to Himself. You can pray in faith. You repent of your sin. Yes, I'm a sinner, and I know that. You... you these messages, your word has revealed that to me. I know that. And so, Father, forgive me, forgive me, forgive me. I know, I know the gospel of Christ is true. I know Jesus died on the cross and His blood paid the penalty for my sins. And you receive Jesus Christ as Lord of your life and you live every day after that for Him. And you do. And if you do that, let others know let others know that we can help you and we can take you to the Word of God and point out to you what the Word of God says to those who are truly saved. So let's pray right now. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks for your Word. For your Word is the only absolute truth. And oh my goodness, in the day in which we live, what is true? What is true of all the multitude of, of stuff we hear who do we believe? What do we believe about the goings-on on this earth? But this, we can have confidence in knowing that Your Word is truth. And what a joy it is to go to Your Word and, and to confidently be able to say, Thus saith the Lord. So, Father, help us to treasure Your Word. 
Help us to treasure it in our heart that we might not sin against you. For every born again child of God that is here today, I pray that you would strengthen them of heart. Help them that they would not despair. Help us all, Lord, to learn to pray, to not forsake prayers. And Lord, when we don't know, let us just fall humbly before You. Just admitting that we don't know, but praying that Your will be done. And we are so thankful that You have sent the Holy Spirit to be our helper, to be our comforter in such times when we just don't. And Father, should there be one within the sound of this message who is yet lost, that, that their eternal destination is, is hell. If not for a change, if not for your great power that would draw them to, the, to yourself and, and you granting them faith, then Lord, we, we pray that you would do that very thing. Have mercy. Have mercy, Lord. So, Father, help us to be, all be obedient to you, to your word, and to your will. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.